Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Forward GC, a podcast where we interview in-house counsel from leading companies within the tech industry. Today, I'm excited to have Michael Marchand on this episode who runs a legal department over at Headspace. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Shish. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh, great to have you on. To get started, what does Headspace do? So Headspace is a digital mindfulness meditation and sleep platform. Got it. And how big is the company? So Crunchbase currently lists us at 100 to 250 employee category. So um, let's go with that. And how about the funding history for Headspace? Yeah, about 75 million. And what's your role at Headspace? So I'm the director of legal affairs. Essentially, I run the legal function at Headspace. How big is the legal department? It's a lean and mean team of two. It's myself and an associate corporate counsel who's absolutely fantastic. How would you describe your role at Headspace? What do you spend most of your time on? So as a department, we have about a 50-50 split between transactional work and risk mitigation endeavors. I tend to focus on the risk mitigation side of things. Um, and then my associate corporate counsel leads most of our transactional work. Great. And the theme of this episode, given that we're interviewing someone from Headspace, is mental health and self-care. There's a lot of studies out there that show that, you know, especially within the legal profession, that anxiety, depression, substance abuse um, really hits lawyers pretty hard compared to other professions. And you're a good example of someone that's super laid back. And it'd be nice to get your two cents on, you know, sort of the mental health landscape within the legal industry and why you think it's, it's pretty rampant. Yeah, sure. Um, I have a, a bit of a personal anecdote I can tell here. Um, I, I come from a litigation background. I was an IP and commercial litigator at two boutique firms before joining Headspace. So I'm a bit of a of a small law refugee, so to speak. You know, the the profession of law is a very high pressure, high stakes career path. Um, there is a lot of expectation to manage, whether it's your client or your partners or your own personal expectations. Then you have to deal with judges or opposing counsel or any of the other unpredictable factors that are totally out of your control. And that high pressure ecosystem, it really starts in law school, uh, right. especially for lawyers that are kind of going the big law route. I mean, you're, you're told and indoctrinated like immediately that, look, you're in direct competition with your peers and classmates and how you do scholastically academically is going to directly impact, impact your career path. So if you want to work in big law, you have to do better than 25, 20, 10, 5% of your colleagues, or excuse me, I said that right. in the inverse. Um, but, you know, it, it creates this kind of crucible um, at the beginning of your career in, in school that just is an atmosphere of pressure and competition and never really lets up, um, for better or for worse. Like, I don't think that's objectively a bad thing. It's it's just kind of intense. And then I can speak to litigation practice, which was my focus before coming to Headspace. You know, it's an inherently adverse system. Um, you're working against somebody. It's it's a fight. Right. And so much of litigation 
turns into, I don't think this is the intent of how the federal rules or state rules of civil procedure are written, but it's the outcome of them. So much of litigation ends up being, what can I do to put pressure on and make life uncomfortable for the opposition, for the party on the other side of the V? This, this comes to play most in discovery, and discovery can get really, really, really petty. And there are scenarios that I've been involved with where like, it's, it's clearly obvious that what's happening is more of the other side doing something to create leverage or to apply pressure to myself and my client in a way to hopefully for them result in a favorable outcome rather than actually like litigating the merits of the case. Um, you know, which is frankly like it's good lawyering. Like it's just how the system is. It's inherent to the system. Um, it's a very competitive, as I've said before, adversarial environment. And that just, it leads to a lot of stress. You're constantly fighting against somebody. It doesn't feel very collaborative. You can feel very isolated and you're just sort of getting attacked on multiple fronts. I mean, I, I remember days back at the firm where I'd be kind of sitting there trying to do whatever, and then, you know, ping, I get an email and it's additional discovery requests from opposing counsel. Ding, I get an email. It's an ex parte motion that's filed in the case. Ugh. Ding, I get an email. It's a client asking whether or not the current case has settled and they may not have the most reasonable expectations about income, about the outcome of the case. So then the door of my office flies open it's my boss and he has something like urgent that he wants me to handle and it's just like it's relentless right and you know there's there's a lot of once again i, I want to be clear i don't think it's objectively a bad thing um I, I just think that it takes a very specific personality type to be able to either enjoy that type of like high pressure fast-paced high expectation environment or it takes some training to get used to used to it and to be able to weather it um and and be able to kind of create the distance between one's own thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and, and the work takes such a big part of our lives. And what advice do you have for lawyers that find themselves with, you know, struggling with mental health, or even law school students at that, you know, given your previous response? Yeah, you know, first and foremost, subscribe to Headspace for the incredible value, but nine ninety nine a year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> free trial too <laughs> yeah. and um in all seriousness i do think amongst other things i do think developing a meditation and mindfulness practice is very helpful i was a headspace subscriber prior to joining the company um, i had a friend who worked at headspace before i joined and i was made aware of the company and it's, it's offering before before I came over here and I started meditating while I was litigating. Yeah, it was super helpful. I mean, I, I felt a little like weird doing it. I mean, this is, this is back in probably like early, early 2015. Mm -hmm. So like meditation has come a long way in these last like four to five years. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> like it's a public, booming industry. Like perception of it. Yeah. Really, really has shifted. I mean, even back then I felt like there was a, a little bit of a stigma that thankfully is being, slowly eroded day to day. So, you know, I would kind of secret out to 
the parking lot and get in my car and do my little 10 minute headspace sessions. Yeah. And that was really helpful. It, it's meditation is really a great tool for developing compassion and awareness. Mm-hmm. And it's also allowed me to sort of create the space and separation between like myself and my own identity and the negative like thoughts or feelings that I might have. And, you know, I, I have anecdotal experience there um, with, with my personal time as a headspace user. I also like see it firsthand now working for the company and all the messages that our customer service um, team receives regarding the positive outcomes for members. And then, you know, there's a, there's an absolutely massive amount of scientific literature regarding the positive effects of mindfulness and meditation. Headspace itself has, I think we're at about 24, 25 published studies that demonstrate the various positive effects of Headspace as a specific platform. Um, So, you know, um, while I do have a conflict of interest here, I I definitely think that developing a mindfulness and meditation practice has been super helpful for me. Also, you know, exercise is a big one for me, Mm -hmm. Um, especially, I'd especially recommend exercise to the extent that we can incorporate a sense of fun or like play in that exercise or it's you know not just like a beat down of running wind sprints or doing like max bench press and, you know shoulders fall off or something like that <laughs> but I, I really i really love doing some sort of exercise that kind of gets the body moving gets some endorphins pumping and it's fun at the same time like i play basketball so yeah i'm in a i'm in a couple of rec leagues one is with some buddies from law school that i've been in for a couple couple of years we actually won a playoff game monday night nice very happy about yeah <laughs> are you are you the let me guess are you like a power forward center you're you're tall from what i remember yeah i'm six foot three which in like real basketball world be like a point guard it's like a undersized point guard <laughs> yeah and like old guy rec league it puts me as sort of like a stretch four i mean my my position nowadays is just kind of like old bad and awkward um, <laughs> but you know it's super fun and it, it does let me blow off steam and it, it does like reduce stress and it's like it sounds silly but positive outcomes from those basketball games like really really have a positive effect on like the rest of my week for sure (laughs) like it like it makes a difference and um you know it's i think it's it's really easy in life as we kind of grow older and our bodies change and there's an endless list of priorities and a to-do list to get to that that sense of play and prioritizing things that are just kind of inherently like fun to do gets neglected i'm a big fan of like exercise and as i said especially in a way that's kind of inherently fun also in terms of managing stress um you know sleeping well i think is a is a big key it's something that i struggle with and have over time there's a there's a whole channel in our headspace platform dedicated to sleep that i really like that i'd I'd recommend people use if they're unfamiliar with it i think eating well eating like healthy nutritious food is a big thing i know when i kind of spiraled downward into kind of that stress hole um yeah not making the best food decisions there'll be a like graveyard and sour patch kid wrappers <laughs> around my couch All right and uh, i don't think that that helps it's hard to get out of and I, you know we all have different relationships with food and eating but being mindful of what we eat i think 
can definitely help the impacts of stress. Um, and then two things that I do want to mention that I, I think get overlooked a lot. Sure. One is social socializing with people we care about. I, I know whenever I'm kind of feeling down or overwhelmed, if I can just prioritize and focus on spending time with people that I like, um, that make me laugh. It, it always makes me feel better. And it's easy to take for granted relationships with those people, especially if we see them frequently. Right. Oh, you know, that, that friend will always be there. He's a friend. She's a friend. Like, I don't, you know, I haven't seen them in a half a year, but like, it's all good. Our, our relationship isn't any less strong. That's, that might be true, but like the positive impacts of hanging out and being able to chat and see and, you know, and hug someone that you love and experience time with them um, is really helpful. And then finally, and this is something I'm very bad at, and I really want to get better at running towards, um, is, is giving back and dedicating time to improve the lives of others. It's wonderfully therapeutic, and it makes me feel so good, and it's such a great use of time. Fortunately, I work at a company that very much prioritizes charity and philanthropic endeavors and gives the workforce many opportunities to give back to the community. About a month ago or so, a few coworkers and I went down to elementary, or no, it was a middle school in Los Angeles, the George Washington Carver Middle School, um, and we, we replanted a garden for the school. Um, you know, it was a few hours. And I pulled some weeds and did some raking. Um, it's not like I, I changed the world with the rake, um, <laughs> but it was just—it was just a great experience. Right. Like it just felt so good to be doing this like kind of little thing that it, it wasn't like the heaviest lift in the world for me, but it made a positive impact. Made a, a lot of people smile. And right. like after that event, I just felt it was almost like a runner's high. Like I was—I was just so jazzed having right. done it. So, you know, like philanthropy is amazing in that regard because you're not only helping others, but you're, you're actually helping yourself. So it, it's something that I, I think that we as a culture kind of lose sight of those like intrinsic benefits of giving back. And I, I don't just mean like writing a check. I mean, actually spending time rolling up your sleeves and, and doing it. It's tremendously beneficial. And I, I think like really... It, it also allows you to develop a great perspective on your own internal struggles and stresses when you can take a step back and see the problems that other people are going through and help help with that. It's funny you mention all these things because I found myself in the same position like three or four years ago when we were starting this company. You just get sucked into this hole where you're working all the time, but you neglect exercising, food and sleep and, and all this stuff and like... Once you do focus on it, you kind of see you're not like losing out on anything by taking some time for yourself. And in fact, actually probably helps you out more. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's about prioritizing what's important over what's urgent, which is right. kind of like the definition of what my day-to-day -day job is and <laughs> something I, I think about professionally all the time. Right. So I, you know, being able to apply that to my personal life is really important too.
Yeah. And what do you see the innovative companies doing to foster a culture that puts employee wellness first? You mentioned you guys are doing things on the philanthropy side, but would be great to hear about what you think other companies should be striving for or what some other companies are doing that you currently see aside from Headspace. What a great segue. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, I think nowadays uh, these innovative companies realize that the workplace is a leading source of stress and burnout, and that consequently impacts the company's bottom line. It decreases productivity, more employees take sick days, there's poor behavior and a lack of compassion in the workplace. So, you know, to kind of solve that problem and combat that issue, Headspace has developed a quote-unquote Headspace for Work tool with customer success in mind where we essentially provide subsidized bulk subscriptions as an employee benefit to companies to distribute to their employees. It's a really amazing thing. You know, I, I do believe that the workplace is a significant source of stress and if we can kind of meet people where they are at work, and be on the front lines of reducing that negative impact. It's a it's a big win for the company. So I believe as of today, we have about 500 companies enrolled in the Headspace for Work platform, um, including Adobe, General Electric, Unilever, and some others. And it's a it's a really amazing channel that we're running at. Something I'm just thrilled to be involved with. Yeah, that's amazing. I would love to learn a little bit more about your meditation routine. Yeah, sure. So every day I I do my first meditation um, when I get out of the shower. I've found it very helpful to kind of anchor my daily practice to something that's already built into my routine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of do something weird where... Um, I'll get out of the shower and as I'm like, once I'm sort of like dried off, I'll turn on the hairdryer and something about the sound of the hairdryer is like (laughs) very kind of calming and helps like promote mindfulness to me. Right. So I'll have the hairdryer on and sort of like indirectly like facing me as well. So I kind of get a little bit of warmth too. I'll sit on the ground. uh, I'll put my headphones in. I'll do a headspace session. Um, no particular packs or courses, just kind of whatever I'm kind of in the mood for and for that day, for that month. And then later in the day, um, what I think is really important has been very helpful for me is I, I try to have these kind of nice little interstitial, like mindful moments, so to speak, where I'll just try to take, I don't know, five or 10 times during the day. Um, I'll try to be like hyper aware, hyper focused, hyper present on, on the time at hand. So it, it can be something as simple as like standing up or sitting down from my desk or when I'm like eating or drinking coffee in the morning, I think like eating and consuming beverage is a really great opportunity to be like mindful of that activity when I'm exercising, especially when I'm like working up work or excuse me, warming up to work out. It's a, good moment to practice a little bit of mindfulness, especially, I mean, as I'm getting older, um, tend to get hurt a lot <laughs> doing kind of light exercises at the gym. So like right. while I'm warm, warming up, if I can really pay attention and go, Oh, there's something going on in my right shoulder. Maybe I kind of take it easy over there during the day. It's, it's helpful versus just sort of like, you know, throwing in my headphones and like 
smashing through some Iron Maiden, whatever, and like not paying attention, just swing my arms to get the blood circulating, kind of being a little bit more like thoughtful and focused on how like my body's reacting to the movements is uh, really can set me up for success throughout the rest of the exercise. And what do you recommend for someone that's new to meditation? How and what should they do to get started? Yeah, um, Headspace for the incredible value of sixty nine ninety nine a year. Um, I mean, in all in all seriousness, it is the uh, Headspace was the tool that I used to kind of first wade into the waters of meditation. I do think it's a tremendous platform, especially for beginners that are, are curious about what meditation has to offer. Headspace has a very kind of soft, playful, approachable um, outlook in terms of introducing meditation to newcomers. And I I really love it personally. Yeah, I I have a subscription myself. I got them for my family for Christmas as well. And they're uh, all doing sessions almost on a regular basis. And it's definitely a great app. This was all really solid info, and I I hope it helps a lot of the people listening here that are thinking about getting into meditation or just want to be better from a mental health standpoint. So yeah, to go into the next rapid fire round, you know, I'd love to deviate from the meditation stuff and fire off a few quick questions. What's your favorite book that you recommend? Oh, yeah, two-way tie, two very different books. God is Not Great by Christopher Hitchens and Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. (laughs) Favorite podcast? Probably the BS Report, um, Bill Simmons. It's like a sports and pop culture podcast. Oh yeah, that that's that's my favorite show. I was like heart. I don't know if you heard the the most recent episode on the Kobe Bryant uh, tribute oh, thing. I was like in tears listening to it. Yeah, I listened to it last night, and it was it was really tough. I yeah, mean, especially being in being in being an Angelino. Um, I'm not a Lakers fan per se. I'm a Clippers guy, but uh, I mean that that tragic news has really really been tough for the city and a lot of my loved ones right yeah it's tough um and then the uh last two uh favorite app on your phone other than headspace (laughs) (laughs) um you just lawyered me on that um i'll say all trails love all trails what's what's all trails i never heard of it oh all trails it's it's like a hiking and like nature adventure facilitator it gives you like trail routes like in in great detail so it it it's really amazing especially for hiking in areas where you don't have great cell phone reception because you can download maps that still like track where you are and it, it just has like a wealth of information so um awesome it's an amazing it's an amazing product it's like one of those apps where i kind of feel about it like i felt about shazam back in like 2008 or something Mm -hmm. where i was like how how does this work this this has to be some sort of a magical thing Um, (laughs) so uh yeah it's very cool cool yeah we'll definitely link to all these uh in the show notes too so everyone could check those out the last thing if anyone wants to connect with you online what's the best way to get in touch yeah sure um Probably my LinkedIn, just uh, Michael Marchand, M-A-R-C-H-A-N-D. You can holler at me there. Cool. Thanks so much, Michael. I really appreciate uh, your time on this. Hey, thanks, Ashish. (laughs) Glad to be here.